If you like sports talk with absolutely no sports talk, welcome back to the Just Not Sports podcast. This is the show where a couple guys who work in sports talk to the people who play and cover sports about anything they like, just not sports. On today's show, we will talk to ESPN's sports and culture correspondent, Sam Alipour about his love of adventures and his commitment to leaving work early every Wednesday, which we respect <laughs> the hell out of. And we will break down you, we will break down all the ongoings in the non-sports world post Thanksgiving. And with that, I gotta just I gotta launch into it because I am now three days full of uh Thanksgiving leftovers. I'm your co-host, Brad Burke. I'm a sports marketer in Chicago. And I'm going to... I have to engage a, a, a debate that has been raging in my house to the other Just Not Sports fam. And for the first time in 98 shows, I'm going to start with Gareth Hughes, our seven-time Emmy-winning sports producer out of our Brooklyn Bureau tonight in Alabama prepping for the SEC championship game. Gareth, what is the best Thanksgiving leftover meal? Not the best one at the table, the best one out of the fridge. Uh, I love this. Uh, talking about Thanksgiving cooking was going to be my distraction because I cooked the fuck out of our Thanksgiving. My wife was sick. It was 830 in the morning. And I basically looked at an empty kitchen and I said, we're going to do this. And I said to her, we're going to eat, tell your parents we're going to eat between four 30 and five. I made stuffing, a Turkey, Brussels sprouts. She made the cranberry sauce. I made an apple pie and a chocolate cream pie. Might've been something. Oh, and mashed potatoes. All that. We ate at four 40. I fucking nailed it from six hours out. So then the next day, the way that I eat leftovers is I think Turkey kind of sucks. And if I didn't have to make it, I wouldn't. So I take a bowl and I put in, I, I go KFC style and I go heavy on the stuffing, which is always made with sausage, uh, a wedge of mashed potatoes because I've finally gotten them to a place where they actually serve well the next day and a chunk of Brussels sprouts. I heat that up with gravy on top and I eat it that way. But stuffing is my favorite. Uh, Gareth, you're stuffing in in Turkey, out Turkey. I I'll do. That's I don't an out. Put, I that's guess an out. it's dressing. <laughs> that is an out. Out. It's out. <laughs> then it's that's out. dressing, bro. That is not stuffing. That is dressing. <laughs> that's right. Thank you. <laughs> Busted. Oh, fair. <laughs> no, dude, look. Props for cooking. I will say this: as a germaphobe, I'm horrified that you let the sick person make a cold dish like cranberry dressing with her her hands. You got to cook that shit off, man. <laughs> like she can handle some no, hot it, plates, it, and that you is boil, it. She made it from scratch. No, she made it from scratch. Like bag of cranberries, water, sugar, orange juice, cinnamon stick. Put on the stove. Boil the shit out of it. Yeah. Well, Gareth, uh, enjoy strep throat in two days. Uh, Adam Willard, our uh, nationally yeah. respected and feared public relations representative who has logged time with Green Bay Packers. 
the Colorado Buffaloes and many global sports brands. What is the greatest Thanksgiving leftover? Uh, it is a turkey sandwich with mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing, not dressing, stuffing all Ooh. in one. Yeah, this, the sandwich is pretty clutch, man. I will say this for tonight for dinner. I di- I made I took the turkey and just made quesadillas. <laughs> My wife was horrified. <laughs> you made quesadillas. <laughs> oh no! I was like, when you go, you just got a roll. I was like, we got some salsa in here. I got I got some shredded cheese left over from the baby uh, her her meal. I'm just gonna do this. Uh, you know, you, you just gotta gotta roll with it. My mine is definitely stuffing stuffing with the um. Stuffing with the sausage. The pro move is to make the turkey sandwich with the stuffing on top, then hit that all up with A1. That is a, that's a pro move for you right there. Ooh. That's a Michael Jordan style. How do you guys feel about pie for breakfast? Of course. Well, wait, what kind? Oh, I don't care. Whatever pie is in the house, eat that shit for breakfast. No, it's basically a turnover. Most, most acceptable. Uh, pecan, I think you have to wait till at least lunch. I'm I mean, not drawing a line, man. I think it's <laughs> go ahead, Brad. No, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think it, it's kind of when, when you commit to pie as a food substance, it's kind of like, you know what you're getting into. Like you just, you just kind of roll with it. <laughs> it's kind of like, Hey, I, I drink during breakfast, but, but no hard alcohol. Like Dude, bro, you're drinking during breakfast. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will say I, I, I draw the line on um I don't think uh like cheesecakey pies can be consumed during breakfast. So like cherry pie you might be able to say like hey it's fruit. But like if you're gonna rock like a oh. like if you're gonna rock like rock like a deep pumpkin or something, like I'm like that's not really breakfast. It's gotta be more crust uh, and stuff no. than pie. I No, I disagree. I just feel like So the no hard alcohol is what you're more, saying more more quiche like in the morning and so pumpkin is perfectly acceptable so first of all the other thing i made i forgot was like we always make sticky buns to go with dinner instead of like rolls so they're like pecan cinnamon buns so i made those like yeasted bread i was psyched my son then in the cutest move of thanksgiving spent the next two days calling them cinnamon buttons that shit is adorable uh it is from the less from the less adorable side of Thanksgiving, I was texting my buddy who was at a family gathering for Thanksgiving. And ironically, he owns an ice cream shop. So you think he'd be able to coordinate dessert. But he basically said, he was like, what are you making? And I ran down our whole menu and he got to dessert and he was like, dude, nobody coordinated dessert. We have three pecan pies here and that's it. <laughs> so- <laughs> wow. Nice. I spent Thanksgiving with my girlfriend and I met her family for the first time. They were over nice. from France. So there are eight people. I was the only American. They don't celebrate Do you make squab? But made Thanksgiving dinner, I would assume, with me and mine. And it was, it was the best Thanksgiving cooking I've had. And I feel like my mom and dad were really good cooks growing up. But this was incredible. Nope, all American dishes. They kind of made it up as they went. And it was fantastic. Adam, um, yet another American job outsourced to foreign soil <laughs> in terms of making Thanksgiving yeah, dinner. They outdid Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Man. Uh, and by the way, did you get points for uh, talking to your uh, 
fr- uh, girlfriend's French family. Did you, did you describe World War II, their strategy as rope dope? We don't, we didn't talk politics. <laughs> we talked about Trump because that's, we talked about Trump because I feel like in most reasonable rooms, that's a safe political topic <laughs> these days. And it was. It's not even but, uh, politics, no, it's wrestling. Talk, that's like talking about talk, did John Cena beat The Undertaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Dave Bautista. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that, Moving on, we're going to make the open of the show wide open. Anything is fair game around the world of sports that is not sports. I'm going to start, guys, because on Twitter today, I got pretty excited about what's going on my Christmas list. Our good friend, friend of show, even though he has never been on it, but was our second ever Twitter follower behind Louis DeCosmo from Chicago, Illinois. (laughs) Stefan Marbury. Guys, this is the tweet he put out today. I have been inspired to make everything, not just shoes and clothes. Now introducing the Starberry Electronics on Cyber Monday. We won't stop creating and making new things for the people. Starberry for the people, by the people. Hashtag iPhone, hashtag Android, hashtag Bluetooth, starberry.com. If you haven't guessed... uh. I put down my baby into a uh, enclosed pen, walked to my computer, and immediately <laughs> clicked through to this link. It's an interesting array of, pro- of products. I'm not gonna say it's. Um, I'm not gonna say it's. It's gonna take down Apple tomorrow, but I am going to say it will take it down. Uh, there's a USB charging bracelet. For $7.99. I wasn't quite clear whether it was a bracelet that's a USB or whether it's a bracelet that charges your computer. I believe it's a phone charger. So I saw the same pop up and I think that you plug it into your computer to charge it and then you wear it as a bracelet and it serves as your emergency auxiliary power to your phone when needed. That was my understanding. Interesting. Stefan Marbury solving problems. I also like the wireless headphones retailing for $16.99 that has a Stefan Marbury autograph on the side. Hint, hint, Adam Christmas coming up. And then my favorite was the wireless Bluetooth uh, speaker. Uh, it was unfortunately spelled B-L-U-T-E-O-O-T-H on the website. But you make huh? up Ooh. you make up for the lack of spelling with the great price of $25.99. So Stefan, consider me a new loyal consumer. Gareth, what do you think of the uh Starbate Electronics? That guy will make anything from shoes to films, not movies, but films to electronics. I love how restless he is and that he will make anything. I like to think of the Stefan Marbury film uh, world as a cinematic universe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if that, if that horrible what mummy, universe? if that horrible mummy movie got a, its own universe, like the dark universe, like, Stefan Marbury definitely uh-huh. deserves his own universe in cinema. Don't you think? I, I, yeah, I'm almost worried at this point he might be oversaturating his brand with the movie, the electronics, the shoes, um, the, the 
Broadway play or excuse me, the musical, but he's got another year in China. So maybe he figures he's going to squeeze as much out of it while he can and then return to the U.S. Yeah, Adam. I mean, look, it's a really good point. I would argue a couple things as a counter. Number one, uh, for a guy who was eating Vaseline on uh, YouTube a couple years ago, doing anything <laughs> with his brand counts as oversaturation, okay? Uh, number two, I'm not sure he's so much setting up a return to the United States as much as he is bombarded with Chinese industrialists who are like, I can make headphones for 55 cents and you can sell them for whatever you want. <laughs> And this is something true. I, I have, I have good friends who've done business in China who, who have come back and said, hey, we should make X or Y or Z because I found this guy who will do it for whatever. So, I mean, look, Stefan's just working the angles. I appreciate it. You know, we love the shoes. We are the original adopters of Starberry Inc. back in the Stephen Berry days. I'm just I'm not sure I'm going to buy the wireless headphones. I'm also not quite sure I'm going to buy a Bluetooth that's spelled... B-L-U-T-E-O-O-T-H. But I'm happy these exist and I'm interested to see what what printing uh, inkjet technology Stefan Marbury is willing to sell me with uh, Starbury Electronics. I will say, so uh, as you know, I bought a pair of the, rec- the, the recently released model of the Starburys. I have probably 15 to 20 pairs of Jordans that I rotate. And then every once in a while, I'll put the Starberries in the mix. Don't often get comments on the Jordans at all. But every time huh. I wear the Starberries, someone says, wait, are those Starberries? How, how do <laughs> yes. they feel? What are they like? Where did you get those? So it's working. I love it, man. I love it. I Damn. love Starberry. I love all of his products. I know it sounds like I'm ripping them, but like I'm just happy these exist. All right, Adam, wide open. What's on your mind? Mine was really more of a question getting back to our Thanksgiving theme. So on thanks on actual Thanksgiving day, I was home by myself. I didn't travel uh, to meet my girlfriend's family until Friday. So um, I did what I always do on Thanksgiving and what I always do on Sunday, because I don't consider myself a dogmatic person, but when it comes to football, if NFL football is on, no matter how bad I'm, usually watching it and uh the four of us had a text exchange and gareth said the one thing he can do without I, there was two things but the one that stood out was that you do not miss football at all adam monday night football is on right now in my hotel room i okay. just didn't watch football on thanksgiving and we listened Why? to music the whole day and i didn't just that was that was why. Uh, yeah, I watched football yesterday. So uh, but, I was actually you really said intrigued you by the Saints-Rams game. You said you didn't miss it, and I didn't know how to respond. And it, I thought about it for a long time. And I was like, well, these are uh, none of the games on Thanksgiving were great games, but I watched all of them. Why didn't you watch them? And why didn't you miss well, it? Because at this point, I will, I am no longer a, I will watch any football that is on kind of viewer. I will, like, Monday Night Football is on because it's something I could put on in a hotel room and not think about it. And, uh-huh. uh, but I'm going to say this too. Ugh, this is going to sound preachy and whatever. 
But I will no, say I'm, this I'm honestly. Interested. Okay, when the kids are running around, I don't like to have football on. There's one day I was watching a game and Wiley, my three-year-old son, walked into the living room and a guy took a huge hit and he just goes, Blamo or whatever it was he said, which I laughed at at first. But then I was like, oh, that's like you're laughing at a brain injury. And I can't uh-huh. like I feel weird exposing a kid to that. So if the kids are running around, uh, like I okay. just don't I don't have football on at this point. All right. Good. Fair answer. Brad, are you I, what are your what are your viewing habits like now? I know you got rid of NFL Sunday ticket. Um, do you do you guys find that with kids you just watch less TV in general or is it? specific kinds of TV. Well, I kind of gave up TV when I started doing this show for you bastards. Oh, thanks, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Not even any laughter, just a nervous, a nervous, silent, uh, (laughs) like admission. (laughs) That's probably true. (laughs) Here's what I would say in my situation. I have a new baby. Life in general is harder. I own property. I have to like do yard work. Like my weekends are are very little actual time to sit down and do anything. And so um I don't want to chalk up lack of watching football to lack of interest in football. In fact, I think I feel like the football bashing has kind of gotten out of control. It is what it is. And college football, college football, where unpaid players are getting the same brain injuries and the same uh, being dumped off of uh, their scholarships for for newer, younger, faster players, like that's as popular as ever. So I don't want to overstate like our national crisis with football. I think it's just the the teams haven't been all that compelling this year. Um, for whatever reason, I'm in a, a time of life where I watch a little bit less and the Bengals are terrible. If the Bengals were eight, no, like a couple <laughs> years ago, I'd be, I'd be finding my uh-huh. way. I'd be like, Kelly, I'm going to take the baby and the, and, 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 and Charlie out and we're going to run some errands. And I'd be like sitting in the, uh, parking lot where I could like play Charlie, uh, music and I could just sit and watch like a Bengals game through a window of a TGI Fridays. Like I would figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can't. Um, I can't justify why I still love it just as much. I I agree. I I'm more of a. Um, I grew growing up in Denver, and obviously having worked for the Packers, those are the two teams I'll pay attention to. But um, similar to your team, Brad, both of them are are struggling to say the least right now, and uh, I'm not interested in those teams. But I I cannot remember the last Sunday in my life, maybe a travel day, but the last Sunday in my life where I didn't watch f- f- at least one football game. This is where I would actually like to give the NFL some credit on trying to be more aggressive. I think they've realized that just putting any game on at any time is no longer getting the ratings that it used to. And yesterday what they did by flexing CBS had the double header week yesterday on Sunday after Thanksgiving and Fox didn't, but Fox had the, the contractual rights to the saints Rams game. So the NFL just moved it to the four twenty five slot on CBS because it was the better window to show a better game. Mm-hmm. And that was the one game this weekend that I actually made a point to try to watch because it's two interesting teams that I wouldn't normally follow in a big slot. And I actually have to give them a lot of credit for just 
recognizing that this product isn't doing what it used to. So let's just start to adapt. Um, which brings me to my wide open. What did you guys think of NBC presenting a game mostly from the point of view of the overhead camera? I, I didn't like it. I'm a traditionalist and I don't admit you're me, a Madden guy. That's uh, why I bring it up. Like, it, yeah, I thought not the same of all people you would be about it. No, I appreciate that. I think it's the best way to play a game. And when you're, um, when you're controlling what happens on the field, it's the best vantage point. But even in NBA 2K, where most people play from that vantage point, I still play the traditional side to side because that's how I'm used to watching basketball. Football is just harder to do um, from from that viewpoint in terms of actually seeing what's happening on the line of scrimmage, seeing where your receivers are line, lining up, who your, for, who your primary receiver is and what your checkdowns are. Um, but from a viewing standpoint, no, I still want to see the traditional view. I didn't see this game. Was this was, it, was this the Steelers game on Thursday night? No, yeah, th- it started with the Patriots Falcons on a Sunday night because there was all this fog. So the side by the play by play. Oh yeah, I remember the that play by play camera. And so they had to do most of the game from behind, and people like took to Twitter and they were like, "We love this." So, yeah, a couple weeks later for a Thursday night game between, yeah, the Steelers and Titans, they use that as their primary play by play angle before every play. Yeah. I just want to point out to our listeners that Gareth said they had to do most of this game from behind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. This is too close to sports. I'm cutting this off. This is about, first of all, it was Twitter interacting with and affecting how sports are done because people were weighing in on what they were seeing. And this was also more about sports media and presentation and how, frankly, leagues are starting to cater more towards or at least try to court more of the Madden audience, which I found interesting. All right. Well, Gareth, well, you were a guy in the truck. Like you actually produce games like the, the people Pat Summerall would say, like, I want to thank our guys in the truck. Like that's you smelling like a, a freaking Motel 8 in outside of, uh, of Nashville. What did you think about it? And do you like this style of production or do you feel like there's a snobbery associated with it that discounts uh, these types of uh, experimentations? Very wow, Brad. Uh, the, uh, I was expecting it to go to. And would you take the game from behind? Uh no, uh, I I salute them for trying it. I think it worked well on some of the plays, like the longer developing plays where you could see what's going on downfield on like a, a three to five yard run. As Adam pointed out, it doesn't work on the trenches and some of that stuff just didn't work. But I, I love anything where people will very publicly try something new in a big primetime spot. Um. I'm also reminded, Brad, when you when I said that about doing the game from behind, uh, Chris Collinsworth told the story about years ago we were working on a show, and he said the the one comment he's like you're gonna say stuff like that every game, but he was talking about he was talking about rushers coming up the middle, and he was just like, oh man, this quarterback he just hates it when they come in his face. That was, he walked home and he said his sons were just waiting for him at the door with that one. So, (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well, Hey, I got one more last wide open real quick before we cut. Uh, I watched 
bad moms with my wife uh, over the long weekend. And I had no idea J.J. Watt was in it. I probably did know he was in it, but I just had forgotten he was in it. Uh, Brad, he was on our spreadsheet of all the NFL cameos ever in a a movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, how come he's not in Bad Moms 2? Like Bad Moms Christmas just came out and I went down the YouTube hole and I didn't find any evidence that J.J. Watt was back. Like I thought he was pretty delightful in the first one. Like what's up? I wouldn't. Would you expect him to make a an appearance? I mean, why not bring the, him back? Sequel? Like, okay, if you're the producer of the movie and JJ Watt was in your first one and probably got a bunch of social media and sports blog buzz, why would you not weave in one random like, you know, uh, like one bad mom? He's a doctor, I think. No, he's a coach. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> but he's a soccer coach. Yeah, he's a coach. Like, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you make him like the coach of like the uh, the Houston Dynamo for one scene, and then have him give you like a weird look or something? Like, I have no idea why you would leave that on the table and not bring it back, right? Adam. I'm pretty sure they. I'm pretty sure they wrote in a part for him. He just he's JJ Watt, and he just didn't want to do it. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I did that movie and. Uh, I'll do something with The Rock, but I'm all good on Bad Moms. J.J. Watt is not bigger than Bad Moms. I'm just saying that right now. Bad Moms is a hit, and the second movie was did fairly well. He's not too Brad. big to turn down that turn down that crossover. Yes, he is. You're gonna say that. I mean, you're gonna I say that shit about Mila never, Kunis. You're gonna say that about National Treasure. I realize Mila Kunis. He, he may. Ne- oh, I love Mila Kunis, but. Is not. I mean, did you did you enjoy that movie? I mean, it wasn't Bridesmaids. It wasn't The Hangover, but I thought it was good enough. <laughs> you know, I thought it was fine. Okay, like, I wasn't angry that I got it. Like, you know what? I'm not going to spoil my distraction, but like other movies I've watched that I've rented with my own money and have been enraged by. And with that, you know what? We're going to close that down, tease that for distraction. Yeah, I had forgot that you had a distraction, so uh, don't let us keep you. Yeah, no. Well, I'm, I'm going to save that for distractions. Right now, though, we're going to go to our interview with Sam Alipore from ESPN. You know Sam from his really awesome series of interviews uh, with uh, big-time professional athletes. Chris Stops, Porzingis, uh, Jimmy Butler... You name it, Sam's probably taking them out on random adventures. He loves adventures. And so we talked to him both about his own personal passion for breaking out of his comfort zone and doing things that are really exciting and travel and everything else like that. We also talked to him about just the way that he's constructed his place in the sports ecosystem, doing, I guess, what we do, but uh, on steroids <laughs> as he gets even bigger guests and gets them to do cool things with them. On steroids, you mean someone else is paying for it. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, Sam is great. We had a lot of fun talking to him. And after that, we will be back with our distractions. Stick around. Ladies and gentlemen, we would like to welcome to the show, uh, as he writes in his own Twitter profile, ESPN Mag senior writer, 
It says Sports Center stuff, but I'm going to say Sports Center reporter, host and author of Hang Time for TV and Print, and former star backup JVQB. Welcome to the show, Sam Alpore. How's it going, Sam? Thanks, Adam. Hello. <laughs> now that I'm hearing that read back to me, I don't know if it works. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want to meet me, you know? <laughs> Well, we are happy to meet you and talk to you because I think we share something in common, which is just not sports, of course, is very interested in what athletes do off the field. And judging by your YouTube channel and body of work, Sam, you also are. Um, Can you tell us how your segment Hang Time came to be and, and some of your favorite athlete adventures? Yeah, I mean... How did it come to be? You know, I'm. Uh, it's why it's why I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys. I don't really care about sports. Now, that sounds crazy for a sports journalist to say, but I, I don't care about the X's and O's. Uh, yes, I, I'll talk about my Raiders and my Lakers all day. I'll talk NBA and NFL, uh, but I'm more interested in the characters that um, that live in this world and what they're interested in and what informs them uh and so you know ever since i don't even have a sports journalism background i didn't study it at all or or have any training whatsoever before i came to espn really and yeah and and immediately i i i I try to create this niche for myself where i can tell these stories with these athletes about these athletes that don't cover the x's and o's i mean Here's a little secret. Athletes hate talking about that stuff too. Right. Uh, right. So, so I kind of got lucky and, and, and created this niche at ESPN where they, where they give me the tools that I need to tell, you know, uh, atypical sports stories, stories about athletes. Uh, and hang time came about in that way. Um, we launched it. I want to say about two years ago where I join athletes for their favorite um, off-field, off-court hobbies or, or things that they've always wanted to try. Uh, and, you know, I get to sort of learn about them through the prism of these these activities. So, for example, um, Amari Stoudemire loves, loves to bathe in wine, like literally <laughs> bathe in wine, <laughs> which is really crazy. Makes no sense, and I didn't get anything from it except a buzz and red skin. Uh, <laughs> but he swears by it, so I joined him in a in a tub of wine, and we did an interview for Sports Center and ESPN Magazine in, in that in that tub. Um, uh, Chris Stapps Porzingis, so I told him we can go anywhere in the world, do anything you want for your hang time segment, and he said, "I want to go to Disneyland." because he'd just never been to Disneyland. And as an immigrant myself, I know the allure of that Disney magic before you, you, you step foot in this country, you already know all about Disneyland and you want to go. So I met up with him for a day at Disneyland and so on and so forth. The fun, it's a fun segment and it gives you some insight into who these athletes are as human beings and they seem to really enjoy it real quick on the disney on the disney uh topic 
I know they have height restrictions on like you have to be this tall to ride X ride, but Kristaps is like set like seven feet. Are, dude, did he ever get turned away from anything because he just he's gonna he's gonna take his head off on Space Mountain or something like that? <laughs> he, absolutely, he literally could <laughs> not ride like a third of the ride. And as a person, I don't like to say I'm short. As a person who's not tall and never has been tall. Some might call me short. Um, I it was it was it was payback time, baby. I can ride all the rides. <laughs> yeah, it brings up some painful memories for me because I while I'm not seven three, I am six five, and I remember that I got to a certain height and weight at about eleven or twelve years old that I could no longer go in the ball pit at McDonald's, and it was really <laughs> devastating at birthday parties. Um, so thanks for that, Brad. Um, but I do want to bring up the, I do want to bring up the wine bath. How did you even, how did you even stumble upon that and then get Amari to agree to do an interview from a bath of apparently expensive red wine? Yeah. I mean, he, he posted a photo, a selfie of himself and what appeared to be a, a tub of wine and he posted it on, on his Instagram and it kind of went viral. Um, and I have a, a, a history with him. I've done lots of stuff with him going back years. So I just, you know, kind of hit him up and I was like, would you, would you like to get in the tub with me? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and lo and behold, he said, yes. And we met up in, the, in his favorite, this is when he was playing for the Knicks and met up at his favorite, uh, uh, vino therapy spa in uh, New York. Look, this is for rich people. Let's be very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> like you can't afford it, and you don't want to. I'm telling you, uh, we both just got woozy headed and just acting silly in this pub. It it, it, it doesn't give you much, um, but we had a lot of fun. He's he's a great sport. He's exactly the kind of athlete I like to zoom in on athletes who, who think differently, you know, who, who look at the world uh, through their own unique set of eyes. He could talk about anything all day, and we did talk about anything and everything, uh, except we did it in a wine bath. Real quick question about, you know, I, the nature of your interviews, and we, we know because we set a rule on the show where when athletes come on, we, we just pick one topic, no sports, and we never deviate. So like they could bring up you know, last week's game and we'll just change the subject. And I think there's, there's a point, there's a point in a lot of interviews where I feel like they buy into what we're doing. Like they're very guarded at first. They're like, they don't either, they don't believe it or they think there's a catch to it, or they're just kind of mentally attuned to be uh, bottled up. And then we always hit that one question or that one moment where guys kind of flip and they go, okay, and now you sense their real personality from your perspective, having done with this with a lot of like top tier athletes, who was maybe the hardest nut to crack for someone who really bought into embracing the experience. And, um, do you remember kind of what, what it was that did that or how you felt kind of, uh, converting them to taking the adventure with you? Yeah. Uh, the first question, that's a tough one, man. A lot of these guys are tough to crack. I mean, you know, they are conditioned to, uh, to sort of give these automated responses. And especially if you get them 
in their workplace, right? So, so locker rooms, um, uh, you know, team settings, settings of uh, team facility and post game and whatnot. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have one guy I can point to who's, who's tough to crack, but the set, but the, but the, the answer to the second question is I just come at them. I, I, I try to be real for lack of a better word. Um, I'm just a normal guy and I, you know, I talk to them like they're just normal guys and girls. And, you know, I mean, I guess you could say I have some, some tricks in doing that, you know, so, so how do I come at them real? Well, this is, this is silly, but, um, I curse a lot, like literally (laughs) curse. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and again, I don't think he can call it a trick because I do curse a lot. But, but you know, when I approach them, you know, I might curse. And, you know, <laughs> you can see the look of recognition in their eyes. Like, me, you know, a lot of my peers are coming at them and they're, you know, they're, they got their notepads and, and you know, they stammer through their questions. And, and you know, I I come at them talking like, a dude. And, and, and you get this look in their eyes like, huh? Okay. So that's, what's up. You know, first time I met Kobe, that's literally what he said. Like, huh? So that's what's up. What'd you say to him? him? I told him the truth, which is, yo, I, I bleed purple and gold. And as, as far as I'm concerned, best basketball players of all time are you and magic Johnson one and one a, and I'm, want to do a story on you and it's not going to be a, I almost cursed. Um, but oh, you, you can do that day. here. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm curious to know the, yeah, like, yeah. what is the, what is the actual cuss words that you dropped on Kobe? <laughs> I said, I'm not here to give you a BJ. Um, <laughs> I, I want to, I, I want to, I want to, you know, be real with you. And, and this is, this is the story I want to write. And he said, huh? So that's what's up. And by the way, Kobe curses a lot too. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh. uh, and, and he, and he asked for my information and, and he wanted to read my stuff and I sent him a bunch of stuff and, um, and he read it all and we've been friendly for, you know, I don't know, eight years or so. Have you seen Kobe's, um, semi-animated feature muse cage? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I told him, I think it's fantastic. This guy, this guy is super super talented and he's one of those guys that yeah he can talk sports all day but he has so many other interests and if you know he want he he'd rather hear about i used to work in the film business myself um again i, I didn't have a journalism background whatsoever i i worked in, in in film um and so he'd rather hear about who i work for and what i've learned and where i'm coming from i mean literally the first time i met him uh, he asked me to take a walk with him around Staples and we literally walked the tunnels and he interviewed me. He wanted to know where I'm from and what I, what, what I do and what I've learned. And, and, uh, and so we, you know, we clicked, we clicked in that way, but yeah, man, his, what his short year basketball could be nominated for an Oscar in the world. The world is his oyster. This guy can do anything he wants to do, and he's chosen his path, and, and uh, I have no doubt he'll succeed. 
you've you've talked, you've interviewed, and had a lot of experience with 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 a lot of different basketball players. Probably my favorite segment of yours is when you go to reboot um, the flotation tank place with Steph Curry and Harrison Barnes, and they talk about the benefits of it from a recovery and meditation standpoint. Um, I go floating probably once every couple of weeks and I think seeing that segment really reinforced that it was something that was great for my mental and physical health. Have you had any segments or interactions with these athletes during your work where you've taken something that they do or discovered a fun activity and made it part of your life? Yeah, I mean, floating is certainly one. Um, Yeah, I don't have to tell you the benefits. I, I have a really hard time shutting off my brain, you know, um, like is like yoga is tough for me. Like meditation, forget <laughs> about it. Right? Like, I'm, I'm like, what time is it? I got to get out of here. Um, but floating is the one thing where I could hit pause on my crazy rambling thoughts in my head. And, uh, and you know, as, as Steph says, as he, as he told me, it's, it's your opportunity to just shut everything off and see where your mind goes. And maybe there's something in your life you need to fix and you didn't even know it. Um, so that's, that's certainly one you're in this uh, for, for anybody who doesn't know you're in this, uh, what would you call it? an isolation tank yeah. uh, where, where all sensory deprivation, yeah. sensory right. deprivation. Um, so yeah, that's something I try to do regularly. I've been slacking lately. Uh, what else have people taught me? I mean, frankly, I'm, I'm trying to look at the world through their eyes, you know, like I'm an outdoorsman, right? And, and one of my favorites is the one that we just did where, uh, where, where Jimmy Butler, <laughs> yeah. got the Timberwolves was like, you know, I want to assimilate to, to this new land. So let's go do an outdoors day here at a lake in uh-huh. Minnesota. <laughs> and you may you may have caught it. Kind of went viral. Didn't go exactly as planned. Uh, <laughs> he <laughs> he sort of fell into the lake head first while wearing two life preservers. I'm without a single life preserver because he took mine because he was afraid <laughs> to drown. And, uh, and, you know, seeing, and, but, but that's exactly the kind of athlete that I, that I like to, to, uh, to hang with. The ones who want to get outside of their comfort zone and they're not afraid to, to put themselves out there and, and fail. You know, uh, I did another one with Jimmy, actually, who's clearly one of my favorites, uh, where he, he was convinced that he has a great singing voice. And no matter how many well. teammates told right? you, you guys see this, please? Trader Vicks. Yeah, we know it. We've been there. That's right. You're a Chicago dude. Yeah, yeah. man. Uh, he was convinced he has a great singing voice. And I'd never heard it. And But I had his U.S. Team USA teammates tell me that it's actually not a good singing voice. But he wanted to finally try it out in a public setting. And he'd never done it before. But we went, you know, to the karaoke bar. <laughs> and, and yo, he's terrible. Like he's the worst. Like the he's worst terrible. Voice ever. <laughs> like I sound like Adele compared to him. You know. 
<laughs> but that's what that's that's what it's about, man. Sometimes you just got to get silly. Uh, I love I love getting silly. I like getting out of my comfort zone and and out of my head space and look at the world through a different set of eyes. Um, and and you can get that by by putting yourself in in weird, literally weird spaces, weird places. <laughs> But this is not the segments that you do are not so different from your regular life. When you're not hanging out with athletes, you're still a pretty adventurous guy, right? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to think so. You know, uh, someone asked me the other day, "What's what's my hobby?" And you know, for lack of a better term, I like adventures. I mean, it's my friends make fun of me. Uh oh, Sam's got another adventure for us. But, but they're game and they join. And what, what is an adventure? All right, well, it could be, you know, uh, a road trip to Alaska, which, which me and my college buddies did uh, as a graduation trip. It could be, um, uh, you know, uh, the beaches of Thailand, which we did uh, a couple of summers ago. But it could be as simple as, like, a day at Disneyland, which... I know we're talking about Disneyland a lot, and this is not a synergy thing. I just, I really do love Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) They do own ESPN, full disclosure. But, I mean, seriously, one of my, I like Disneyland more than any grown single man without kids should like Disneyland. Now, we don't do it sober. I do unsober Disneyland trips. Um, but, But they're super silly and fun, and you get to, like, laugh and laugh at yourself and anything that gets you laughing and specifically laughing at yourself is super fun. Um, and, and, and again, you stepping outside your normal day to day and ideally you do it on a Wednesday, a hump day to sort of reset the week. I do it. I, I don't care if my bosses hear this. I do a Ferris Bueller afternoon. I do a Ferris every Wednesday afternoon. Like cut out. Yeah, I wake up. I tr- I try to wake up early, so I still work a full day, um, uh-huh. and then like two o'clock, bust out. You know, whether it's Disneyland or or um, frisbee golf, we do frisbee golf at UCLA. Something where like you get to step out of your own uh, consciousness, really, and just just act silly. And and those are when the ideas hit me, like the big picture ideas, like, what am I going to do next? Like, how can I grow uh, professionally or, or personally? Anyway, I'm rambling, but yeah. No, what do you, what do you plan this week? Great question. Well, it's Thanksgiving week, right? Right. So I got family coming in this week is, is it going to be an adventure in itself? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what, last weekend, what do we do? Okay, uh, I don't. I'm not a, the biggest drinker. We ended up drinking a lot, but in between, we went trailblazing and sort of attempted this hike that really everyone told her crazy to attempt. Hiking from the bottom of Griffith Park in LA up to Griffith Observatory, and then across to the Hollywood sign, the actual letters. Um, five hours wow. or so. Cool. Painful, but cool. 
So my wife was very adventurous. You know, we've done safari in South Africa. We've driven around Iceland. You know, nothing too outrageous. But I can I can distinctly remember being in South Africa and her trying to get me to go shark diving, and me being like, "Oh hell no!" Now I believe you have done this, and I just want to know what that was like because I'm the type of guy who Google's obsessively like. Uh, like shark diving gone wrong, you know, before, before my wife was suggesting, I was like, I was like, no, let's look at these 10 videos I bookmarked because I do not want to be this guy. Uh, what was that like? And I hope I, I hope I have that right. That that's something you've actually done. Yeah, no, I, I did do it. Um, actually for my hang time segment, uh, a NASCAR driver, Casey Kane was like, I always wanted to go shark diving. So how about we do that in the Bahamas? And I'm like, um, yes. <laughs> So we went, we went and did it um, in the Bahamas and it's free diving. So first you got to take a scuba, scuba class. Um, and, uh, and then you just drop in. Um, <laughs> there's no cage or anything. You're literally, uh, what were they called? Galapagos sharks, like dozens of Galapagos sharks. Now these things look exactly like great whites. <laughs> right. <laughs> like they're huge. Like, eight, nine feet long. And they, I mean, I'm, uh, I don't, I don't know the difference. I've seen them looking at great whites. Now they don't, they're not man eaters. They have attacked apparently, but they're not man eaters. Dude, the scariest thing I've ever done. All right. It is very, <laughs> very scary, but you know, if you live, it's great. It's fantastic. It's, they literally <laughs> bump, they bump you like, they do little swim buys and bump you a little bit to let you know they're there and they're the boss. If you can handle it, it is so rewarding. And Brad, you got to risk your life once in a while, right? Like don't do anything crazy, but if other people are doing it and they're living, you can do it too. And, and I firmly believe that those are the best adventures. I've, I don't know. I've I've risked my life more times than my mom wants to hear, and she'll probably hear this later. So I'm not going to get too deep into it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but those those are the things that you you grow from and you learn from. And there have been no shortage of times in my life where, I mean, I literally the thought like, oh sh- shit, I'm going to die, has occurred to me. Um, but those are the best. That's those are the adventures worth doing. I uh, do it. I had do that. It. I had that same thought on Saturday when I had my four-year-old and my one-year-old at the same time when my wife uh, stayed downtown with friends. Um, I will say, let me, let me ask you, where, where do you draw the line? So in your own head, I, I totally get the idea of, I want to go do something kind of, uh, you know, outrageous or like you, you know, you, you, you are more willing to embrace, uh, you know, riskier or dangerous activities, but where for you is the line where you say, all right, this is just out of my comfort zone too far. Wow. You know it when you see it. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What was, what, what was the last time I'm like, you know what? We're not doing this. Um, okay. All right. So in, in, Th- <laughs> in Thailand, um, the, there was a moment on this secluded beach, one of those backpacker beaches that like, you know, uh, they sell, like, if you're into this kind of thing, they sell weed by the brick at the bar. Like literally that's all they sell and, and, and other mind expanding things. 
one of those, you know, kind of bohemian kind of traveler backpacker beaches, like really hard to find, really hard to get to. You, you hear about it through word of mouth and you get there. Well, some people in our group, again, I'm not going to get too specific here, but some people in our group partook in certain mind expanding things on this foreign beach. And uh, some people in our group got a little crazy. And uh, <laughs> should I keep going? I feel like I feel like yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Please. Uh, and I was sort of the the oldest member of the group, um, sort of the leader. Uh, was like younger cousins and and friends and um. Anyway. <laughs> It got a little out of hand, and the, I was like, "This is too far. This is a this is a bridge too far. What do I do?" Um, so I went back to this this the heart of this village and kind of asked for help. And I was like, "You know, some people did some things, and we needed to stop. And how do we do this?" And this, the mayor of the ville, literally the mayor, like a Rastafarian guy with long dreads, <laughs> you know, mine was Thailand, so I don't know how that worked out, but uh, <laughs> he's like, brother, where are they, brother? Where are they? I'm not going to see the accent, but he sounded, you know, like kind of like Bob Marley. And uh, take me to them, brother. And he bring, grabs this sack of like, I still don't know what it was. They look like little limes, like okay. little lemons or limes. He got, grabs this sack of lemons or whatever, and he's like, take me to them. I take him to him, and I'm like, hold on, hold on. Can I trust you? He's like, brother, you can trust me. Look in my eyes. You can trust me, brother. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so he has, he has people who may have done some mind-expanding things to take by, and they were acting a little crazy. Like He's like, he confirmed that, that they shouldn't be doing what, you know, they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. So... <laughs> So he has them all bite into limes and, uh, and, or whatever these things are. Again, I want to stress, I have no idea what these things are. And <laughs> within, within 45 minutes, everyone had cooled off and everything was good again. And, and we spent the night around this guy's campfire learning about his ways, the Thai ways, and, and how maybe Americans don't, you know, they can stand to learn from some Thai culture. And yeah, apparently a lot. Remarkable, right? It was one of the most remarkable nights of my life. I'll never forget it. But to answer your question, there was that moment where things were out of control, and I was like, I'm reeling everybody back in. And uh, who knows? Maybe I overreacted, but but this guy, this guy saved the day. Let's <laughs> Very few people know this story, gentlemen. Uh, so let's keep it between us. Yeah, of course. Um, so you have you've come very close uh, on a number of occasions. It sounds like, but you always want to be chasing that next adventure. What's what's on your adventure bucket list? Jeez, what's on the adventure bucket list? Um, great question. Like, just personally or professionally? Both. Personally, I uh, I got to do Machu Picchu. Has anyone ever done Peru? Machu Picchu? No, not yet. Mm. 
yeah, kind of got to do that. Um, hang out in the, the Amazon jungle for a little bit. What else is an absolute bucket list? I don't know. What do you guys want to do? What, what's, what, give me, give me, you guys go. What's your first? Pyramids in Egypt. That's number one for me. Dope. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. Brad? Brad, Brad, I feel like you've done a lot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've, it's boring. I've always wanted to go to like, uh, uh, New Zealand and Australia and kind of poke around down there. Um, my wife's is the, is the pyramids too. We, we just haven't done that. I, I will say I, I having done safari, I would totally go back and do it again. Cause I had so much fun on, on a safari and I just, and it's hard to explain to people who I think feel like you're just sitting around waiting to see animals. But I mean, the minute you pull up on lions that could just jump in the cab and eat you alive right there, uh, <laughs> it's just totally exhilarating, man. <laughs> it's crazy. Dude, that is absolutely, that might be number one on my bucket list. Absolutely. Totally forgot. That is, that sounds like so much, so much fun. The, the pyramids are also on my list. My parents have done it. I'm Middle Eastern myself. I just never been to, to Egypt. Um, that's, that's a must. That's an absolute must. What about you? So as a Laker fan, the, the ball family, um, what, what, if you, had to interview the Ball family in a setting, what setting would you pick? The White House with Trump and I'd broker a piece. <laughs> I love it. Let me ask you yeah. this, because we talk, we are the foremost experts in, in uh, athlete side hustles, I think you would say, and especially their music. All, who's your all-time best athlete musician? I was just debating some people on Twitter recently about uh best rappers ever but i'll open it up to all-time best athlete musician in your in your books now I've, i haven't spoken to him yet i'm trying to, i'm trying to get him in studio um actually there's two guys that come to mind i think indisputably the best athlete rappers and there's been a lot of them, a lot of really, really shitty ones, right? Um, <laughs> well, it depends on who you ask, but I say yes. <laughs> yeah, but these two in particular are, are, for my money, like really talented. And that's Le'Veon Bell and Damian Lillard. Yes, we agree. They can go as, right? Yes. They can go as far as they want to. Um, and athletes are... I don't know. They are tailor made to succeed in these hard to succeed in businesses. Um, they, they have the work ethic and they have unusual atypical experiences that can inform their art. Right. Um, but these guys actually can, 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 can write rhymes and they, they have cool flow and, you know, unusual deliveries and, and all, I mean, I'm no, no Simon Cowell or whatever, but, this, these guys, these guys are really, really good. And, and they're, and for whatever reason, I don't know what it is after decades of terrible athlete rappers, we have two at the same time who are really good and they're making a comeback. And I'd like to see where they go from there. And there's the sky's the limit for those two. And everyone knows it. everyone, every athlete I've spoken to knows that these guys are good and, and, they're going to go places with this. Uh, Dame, Dame in particular seems to have gotten mm -hmm. notices from, 
from everybody. I also hear, and we've only heard a little snippet, but Kevin Durant, for years and years, I've heard from teammates and former teammates that that dude's got skills as an MC. And something leaked in the playoffs last year. You guys heard that? Uh, the, the- yeah, the yes. Durant-LeBron yeah. collaboration. Yeah. Right. Now, LeBron was more of like the hype man, I guess, in, the, in what we heard. But <laughs> yeah. you, you got a glimpse of KD's skills. I'm telling you, like, for years I've been hearing he's a closet MC. And I've spoken to him briefly about it. He doesn't want to really get into it. And Lord knows he's created more trouble for himself lately than he, than he probably cares to. Um, so I don't think you're going to hear anything yet. Uh, I think he's a little too – he's going to bunker down a little bit and put up some walls. But, but that's one that I've been dying to get it to the heart of. And, you know, if he ever lets it out, boy, that's going to set the world on fire. Absolutely. Maybe a Lonzo Ball collaboration. <laughs> right. Lonzo. Now, I haven't heard much of his, but apparently he's not shy about it. Only on Instagram. I'm not sure what he has to bring to the table, but we will. I'm sure we will find out soon because that is not a family that holds back. <laughs> hey, Sam, we want to thank you uh, very much for joining us today. Uh, any final words before we let you go? No, I keep doing what you're doing, man. Uh, you guys, you guys know what you're doing. You've had some luminaries on. I'm like, why am I getting an invite? But you know, these people in the world of sports, they have really cool interests and they're very interesting people. And, and I'm just uh, happy to be a part of it. So thank you. And we are back in the sports world, athletes, coaches, media, anyone tangentially related to sports says they like things or starts doing things that they actually have passion for, and they're instantly shouted down. Liking things does not make you a distraction. So on this show, we celebrate what's distracting us. Gareth, let me start with you this week. So over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, some intrepid Twitter user just tweeted out, send me an onion, your favorite Onion headline that you think back on. Frequently. Yeah. And I read that thing and laughed so hard. And I wanted to start this off by bringing up the classic. And I think we've come, it's come up here before, but this goes out to Brad and Adam. <laughs> Man says, fuck it. Eats lunch at 10.58 a.m. <laughs> that is, no, 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 no. Mine would be like 10, mine would be like 10.22 a.m. <laughs> I mean, like, that is an acceptable time to be like, I hit up, I hit up Blimpies. So I ask you guys, what are your, what Onion headlines pop into your head years later and you still laugh at them? All right, I'm going to go first because I I actually tweeted back at this. I I think um, drugs win drug war is probably my favorite (laughs) all-time Onion headline. (laughs) That was so good. And I I, I also, uh, I guess as a tangent on that, like Nancy Reagan ends drug use with very special different strokes appearance is also really good. But I think my favorite one is area middle-aged man puts on shirt like buttons up dress shirt before putting on underwear at gym locker room. <laughs> like 
The picture, the picture of, a, of like a wet dude out of the shower, like putting on a dress shirt and then having his bare ass and balls there is definitely something I had seen a thousand times. And I think what d- differentiates the onion from other satire is how well they get average life. Like anyone can write a funny macro headline, but it's the micro that like you just go, oh my God, like they nailed it. They just totally got it. Actually, no headlines stick out, but I still get excited. And I don't know how often he makes an appearance anymore because I don't have the onion stand on the corner like I did in college. But anytime Jim Ankauer makes an appearance as a special guest columnist, um, I get pretty excited. The eternal pothead and slacker who is always getting kicked out or um, looking for a quick way to score weed. Uh, just because we knew so many guys like that in college. And even as grown men, we still know a lot of guys like that. I think uh, I get a sense of nostalgia whenever he pops up. The Onion in its heyday was fearless, and that's why it was so good. Uh, so, yeah, no, that, that was a good, good distraction, Gareth. Good distraction. All right. Uh, nice. Adam, I'm going to go next real quick. Um, so, Gareth and I know there are there are two things that I... I, I follow passionately, but follow what I would call like the uh, the the back door of it. Um, the number one is uh, college football. I went to a college with no football, and I grew up in a in a Mac uh, school, so I'm not a huge college football fan. I watch the games nationally, whatever. Like when the Iron Bowl is on, fine. But what really gets me like wound up is when conference realignment is happening because I find that totally fascinating and I love how it just freaks out everybody. I feel the same way about late night TV shows when I don't watch late night TV shows ever. I don't watch Conan or Kimmel or Fallon or any of that stuff or Colbert, but I do love like the behind the scenes drama of when a host is going to change a show or who's going to get hired. Like, I think that stuff's crazy. Like the Jim Miller stuff is crazy. I have a new one to add to the list. It's the DC comic book universe movies <laughs> because, oh, oh my no. God, guys. <laughs> thank you. I didn't know you were going here, but thank you. I could care Something less. I, I could to. care less about these horrible movies with a few small exceptions, but I love the freak outs about these movies. And I have been doing a lot of phone reading while holding a baby or feeding a baby about what is next with the DC cinematic universe. Oh my God. So justice justice league comes out on the heels of what can only be described as one of the breakout triumphs of movie making of the last decade, which is Wonder Woman. And it takes all that money and buys a bag of oregano that it thinks it's weed. Justice League makes... Brad, Brad, it took all that money and used it to airbrush Superman's mustache (laughs) off. Justice League (laughs) is a disaster. The critics don't like it. The fans, I guess, fine, they like it, but most of the hardcore DC fans are kind of like the the Tennessee football fans who are pretending to be outraged about the Sandusky scandal to prevent like a shitty coach from following them. <laughs> like the DC fans are like outraged, but with no real reason to be. And 
I just, I, I can't get enough of it. This movie, it took all the Wonder Woman stuff and like just made it harder to figure out where Wonder Woman even goes from here. The Batman they hired and wanted to hand the franchise over, no one likes and he hates being in the role. Their Superman, who they decided to do reshoots with, was not allowed to show up shaved, like shaved from another movie he was on. So in the ultimate power move, the other movie studio was like, you have to CGI out his beard. It cost, by some reports, $25 million. $25 million. Guys, that is more than one season of Joe Flacco to airbrush this guy's beard and mustache out. And it was so bad that within hours of the movie being out, it was a universal Twitter meme. I cannot get enough of this. I love it. I want them to keep making these. It sounds like they're doubling down. They're going to make an Aquaman movie, guys. Adam, real quick, you're you're a big fan of the of the of the, of the comic book genre. What what yes. would you do to fix the movies at this point? Uh, I think the focus on one character at the t- at a time is the way to go. I think they somehow thought that they would max uh, match the chemistry of the. Avenger movie, which to me was an overrated movie to begin with, um, and they couldn't quite get there. I, I I didn't I I like all the Marvel movies, but I did not like Avengers. Let's be honest, Robert Downey Jr. carries all of these movies that he makes a cameo in, though, with the only exception uh, to me, the recent Thor movie, which I thought was uh, outstanding. As a uh, it was him, it was Thor and the Hulk, which I thought they did a great job of. Um, I really was rooting for Ben Affleck to be a great Batman after the debacle that was daredevil that he did many years ago. I thought he did a decent job with the material that he was given in Superman versus Batman. My girlfriend is shocked that I have not gone to see, see the new justice league movie, but I just don't know. If I can do it, it just seems like such a waste. And I agree with you. I don't think Ben wants that spot. I think uh, the flash was poorly cast with the availability of actors out there. I think Aquaman was outstanding casting, but we'll see what that standalone picture looks like. And Gal Gadot, she may be out as Wonder Woman altogether because Brett Ratner, who was accused of sexual harassment, um, remains attached to those projects. And she said she won't do it if he is not kicked off. So I'm curious to see where DC will go. What's that? Did they? I I will say this. If they did not dump Brett Ratner for Gal Gal Godot, even better for my, my watching. That's ridiculous. She's like, she's like going into your backyard and finding like a whole Ruby, the size of your couch. And then being like, no, it's cool. Brett Ratner's here. I'm going to give it to him. What are you doing? Sleeps on the couch. We'll stick with that. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. This DC shit cannot get worse. You want to know, Adam, you want to know when I knew I was out on Ben Affleck? When I was like, there's no way he can do the Christian Bale Batman voice any worse than that. So at least he's got that going for him. And then I realized they didn't want want to even try. So they just electrified his voice. And I said... This is officially going to be the laziest Batman movie ever made. And oh, it was. <laughs> like, are you kidding? <laughs> are you kidding me? I think he, I think he 
plays the role that was given to him fairly well, actually, which is the older Batman. I think if you in the if you look at the lineage of Batman, you see a young, angry hothead who's still trying to figure out what he's doing, and then the character develops to, I guess, a more compassionate character who um, really plays by the rules and will not kill someone. And then you have old Batman who is uh, completely disenchanted with the justice system and the way it's failed over the years, uh, puts on a ton of muscle because he can't move as fast as he used to and will kill without any reservation. So I think he actually plays that role pretty well and he's cast well to do it. I just don't know how well that particular Batman works and with this combination of justice league characters, because the Avengers was, although uh, a superhero movie had a certain lightness to it. And I don't know if you can put this really dark, uh, bitter, violent Batman in a group with wonder woman flash, who's supposed to be the comic relief Aquaman and still try to have the same kind of fun (laughs) environment in the movie that you had in the Avengers. So that's my opinion. Adam, yeah, like, I got nerdy. Yes, like sir? a like a conversation between someone our age and a kid who's telling you that LeBron is better than Michael Jordan. I haven't even brought up yeah. the championships yet. Jared Leto is the Joker, and that is ridiculous. <laughs> they are trying to simultaneously cast another Joker to be in another Joker movie because they are so pissed off at the Jared Leto Joker producing. reaction. Yeah, and. And and they're they're gonna have these two, like diametrically opposed interpretations of the same character at the same time. This can't get any more fucked up than it is. I, please, DC, oh, wait. keep going. Keep you know what, DC. It's like that movie Touching the Void, where the guy breaks his leg on the mountain and he falls in the crevasse, and he's like, "I only know one way out of the crevasse. I can't climb up. I gotta go deeper in." DC. Climb into <laughs> the darkness. <laughs> Keep going. I want to see what's down there. I want to see it. This was a, you have to remember, as a comic book company th- over the years, they killed Superman because um, they were suffering so much as a company. They're trying to do movies. They rebooted their all of their series a couple years ago with the new 52. It's just not a good time to be DC. No, it is not. Uh, Adam, what's your distraction? Yeah, I th- I, um, I think you guys have just about covered it. I actually, to <laughs> add up to the, to add to the and another comic thing. book theme, to add to the comic book theme, I have been watching um, The Punisher on Netflix, which um, the reviews, all of the reviews were really interesting because they didn't really talk a lot about the content. They just said what an unfortunate time it was for the show to come out following all the mass shootings that we've had in this country. And that's why it's not an enjoyable. I think it's just a bad series um, and not particularly well written. I'm four episodes in and I'm having a really hard time paying attention, though you kind of know what you're getting with the Punisher. So I don't I think like anyone who is a Punisher fan or a fan of Marvel is not going to be necessarily turned off by the violence. I just think that it's just not a particularly well done show. It's funny. All those, um, a lot of those Marvel shows on Netflix are getting that same 
sort of treatment. Um, who is the guy? Who is the spinoff from Jessica Jones? Um, Luke Cage. That, Luke Cage got bad reviews. The their like kung fu guy show was the worst. One of the worst reviews. Iron Fist was shows awful. Yeah, of last year. Yeah, it's fun. It, like for all the shit we're giving DC and they've earned it. Marvel's kind of churning out some like fast food there and they're kind of starting to get caught for it. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. And- I thought Luke Cage was, was really well done. Just so was Jessica Jones, but yeah. Uh, even the daredevil, I think is probably the most successful and well done of, of that series. Iron fist is an absolute disaster. Yeah. And just to level set four made more money than uh, <laughs> Justice League did, which is a bit like the Yankees complaining they can't compete with the Royals. Like, I just don't understand <laughs> right. what what DC is doing. I, I could not have named you three Marvel characters 10 years ago. I mean, I knew like the essentials, but like they're, they're botching Batman, Superman, uh, you know they're they're trying. Woman. They're trying to botch Wonder Woman at a time when America just won't let that happen, uh, because it it, it just it was a great product and they, and they just refuse to like. But they keep putting in her into other crap. Like I, I don't know, man. DC's got like the more marketable things, and they just keep blowing it. Is what it is. All right. Well, you know what? That speaking of is what it is. That is this week's show. I want to give a shout out to Joe Reed, RIP, wherever you are. I want to give a shout out to Sam Alpor for sharing his adventures with us. A shout out to all the people who made Thanksgiving dinners uh, over the week and celebrated with families and those who were not able to. Uh, Gareth, any shout outs? No, I'm with you on that. Shout out to those who made Thanksgiving dinners. Well said. I want to give a shout out to my boy Uzi. Def Jeff. Little Swanee. Little Swanee. Yeah, Meech. Meech. Ron Mack. And who? Other cousin Ron. And My in other the, cousin Ron. And in the immortal words of our nation's finest poet, Shaquille O'Neal, booty rappers, stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty. Stay booty.